Maggie. Hey, yeah. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock. Oh, rhyme. That's right. On time. It's and tricky, tricky is the title. Here we go. It's tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme. That's right. On time. It's what? tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. 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 <laughs> We're not talking about Run DMC. No, we aren't at all. Like, this has nothing to do with Run DMC. This has nothing to do with the song Tricky. It's just because we've probably both had this song stuck in our head for the last week. <laughs> what do you think? Yes, I have had this song stuck in my head a lot because it's an earworm. It is. It's an earworm of a song. But also I kind of uh, want to learn all the lyrics so we can do this at karaoke now. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I already I got them. So you just <laughs> I mean, they're on the screen. So, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, like the cadence of everything. Oh, yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. No, listen to it all week. We'll be good. We'll yeah, be good for karaoke. I, I would say we'll this is a this is a solid karaoke hit. Yeah. And we are not talking about it. So <laughs> not at all. Let's just snip that right in the bud. Yeah. Not doing it. Not going to happen. Welcome to Rock Candy. Where we don't talk about Run DMC. Not today. <laughs> not um, yet. Not yet. Not today. Eventually. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. They'll get the Rock Candy rock Treatment. <laughs> rock Candy Treatment. Nope. Rock frame, <laughs> that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, we're not. Words aren't great for us. I'm Maggie, and I'm taking a drink. Sorry, I'm Ashley, <laughs> and we're your hosts, <laughs> and we are bringing you sweet treats from the world of music every week. Yeah, and this week we're going obscure. I I, I don't want to say obscure, but I guess obscure. He, um, kind of, but also he's been around for a very long time. He is insanely influential and you probably don't even know who he is yeah which is unfortunate again i think we're just tapping into more for black history month of these artists that are super important to the world of music and And very influential and you just don't know oh my god like uh, rap wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for this artist electronica wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for this artist definitely not for better or worse (laughs) It depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> either way, either way, it is what it is. You can definitely thank this dude for it. Yeah. Yeah. Today we are talking about the musical artist, Tricky. Hence the song in the beginning. Yes. And hence maybe some confusion <laughs> that maybe some have when they see the title of this and like, are they just going to spend an hour and a half talking about the song Tricky? We probably could, but no, we're could not. We? I feel like there's not that much to that song. It's just a fucking jam. Yeah. But yes, so we are talking about this artist, Tricky. You might be wondering who he is. For some of you, if I say Massive Attack, maybe that'll yeah. jog something up for you. He was definitely heavily involved in the beginnings of that band, Uh huh. that group. Also another incredibly influential band that only really gets talked about in very like obscure listicles and shit like that yeah and then people will read like i never heard of them bye but then again a lot of our uk and listeners and european listeners are probably hearing us say tricky and massive attack and thinking yeah no i know who that is i'm not an idiot but americans are dumb they are idiots and they don't really look into this shit we don't get as much music as we should over here yeah we get a lot of garbage. Whole lot of garbage. Whole lot of butt rock. Yeah. Still still on that butt rock over here for some uh, reason. People are still really into Avenge Seven Belts. So <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my god, Avenge Seven Belts. Oh, yeah. My favorite band. <laughs> They're so memorable. It's terrible. Guys, Avenge Sevenfold's a real good band. They're such a hot topic band. Oof. 
Oh, like, yeah. But, like, yeah. late 2000s Hot Topic band. So, yeah. like, the the bad, the real bad. The bad Hot Topic <laughs> the years. The bad Hot Topic years. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. We don't like to talk about the bad Hot Topic years. When Hot Topic discovered an, the Nightmare Before Christmas. That's when everything just went fucking downhill. Ten years after the movie comes out, they're like, hey, did you we, guys see this? But we can make so much money off of this. We've really strayed off topic here. Yeah. Hot topic. Oh we strayed hot topic. No. Right. But enough about hot topic. Yeah. Can you please talk about Tricky? Because fuck hot topic. Yeah. And we should definitely talk about the beer we're drinking. Oh, Maybe yeah, it did hit us harder than we thought. I don't know. It's Actually, only 4%. It's, it's hitting me harder than I thought it would. I had half an, a Snickers ice cream bar before we started drinking. Was so. that breakfast for you? No, that was lunch. Oh, okay. So this week we are drinking from Single Cut Boo Smiths. Boo Smiths? Boo Smiths. <laughs> that would be a great, like, just a really great title for a brewery that does all Halloween themed. Oh, Boo Smiths. Boo Smiths. Oh. Yeah, let's, you know what? We're done, guys. We're not going to podcast anymore. We're going to start a brewery. Don't you take that idea. That's TM, ours. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> That's ours. All the copyrights. We will sue you so fast. <laughs> All we have to This prove. is recorded. We have proof. We have proof. You stole it from us. <laughs> anyway, we are drinking Shyness is Nice, which is a tart IPA. It's fine. It's honestly like most single cut. Uh, it's fine stuff we've had it's just fine it's just fine it's not particularly tart but it's not overwhelmingly ipa well we did have a very in-length discussion before recording about what it really tastes like and it really reminiscent of a flavor of when you use half of the frozen concentrate can you don't use the full can because you're trying to save money which you still use the same amount of water and so it just tastes like really watered down orange but i feel like probably a lot of the younger folk that listen to us probably don't know what the concentrate is do they not make frozen concentrate anymore i don't really see it very much at all i remember going to the grocery store and there are just cases upon cases of fruit concentrate that you would make welch's welch's was the jam it was though still is i'm still Get yeah, out. Let's get out. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, like, it, that was the cheap way to make orange juice oh, and yeah. fruit juices. You got the concentrate. It was, was like a like dollar. 50 cents? Yeah, like 50 cents a dollar or whatever for a little can of frozen concentrate. Like a dollar for four? I think they were like 25 cents. <laughs> they were only one cent, remember? guys. No, do you remember? <laughs> we like, walked the a little... mile to go get them. <laughs> you remember, like, the little Kool-Aid powders were like 20, like 10 cents, I think. Yeah, they were like 10 cents. They were yeah. like 10 for a dollar, usually. It was ridiculous. Wow, we are not we are not but managing it, to stay on top. Yeah, this tastes like very watered down uh, orange juice concentrate. Yes, so you would get frozen in a tube. Yes, I, I had to kind of stretch with this one, like as far as yeah. meaning with it. But shyness is nice. You will soon discover that due to Tricky's shyness as a person, it helped him cultivate the artist he became. Yeah, I kind of feel like we're. This getting, is a deep cut. We're getting into some deep cuts with our beer choices. Which, because... I mean, arguably that's what single cut does anyway. Yeah. And before I really get into it, I would like to cite my source. Most of everything I'm giving you guys, I found... Actually, it's nice. Tricky is very interviewable. He mm-hmm. likes to talk, so it was easy to find interviews. But also, I read his biography, Hell is Around the Corner. And this was co-written with Andrew Perry. So he did have a little help. But I really want to highly suggest this biography to anyone listening 
It is really interesting. He's a great writer. Huh. He writes like he's talking to you, which is something I enjoy. He has a crazy interesting story. And there are some things that I wanted to get into, but I just didn't have the time. So please pick up this book if you ever see it. Yeah, I really want to read it. Yeah. There's some really good stories. There's stuff with David Bowie in there that I wasn't able to put in. So That could be more stories for our episode on weird shit David Bowie did. You mean our our eventual spinoff podcast, Weird Shit David Bowie did? Basically. Yeah. Which is basically his life. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, because, you know, British artists recognize British artists. Yeah. So that helps. But I guess now is the time I'm going to get into the story of Tricky. Alrighty. Alright. Before I do get started, though, on the life of Tricky, I want to give a little background into the musical genre known as trip hop. Because really, he's one of the fathers of this genre. Please tell me more. I feel like you don't mean Tell that. me more. Tell me more. Trip hop is not easy to describe. I just tried to do it the other night and it's very hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is a blending of hip hop and electronica and it sees hints of jazz, R&B, house, soul, psychedelica, kind of a little bit of everything. There's a very experimental element to it within its music as well as the visuals overall. It's all experimental. It's a style of music that maybe not everyone is familiar with, but its influence reaches throughout most genres of all the music we hear today. After this episode, if you go back and listen to artists like Gorillaz, Beck, Madonna, Bjork, Radiohead, Queens of the Stone Age, Janet Jackson, and even The Flaming Lips. Oh. Yeah. Our favorite. Our favorite. But you can hear hints of trip hop in them. Yeah. Absolutely. All I've, of them. I, I don't listen to electronica, so maybe I'm far off base here. But I feel like trip hop is the most easily digestible of the subgenres. Um, I feel and like also, that and house can be most commercialized, yes. And they're the ones that are most commercialized that artists like Madonna and stuff like that will seek out people that have experience in those genres yeah. and bring them in and put that kind of influence into their music so that the masses will hear it. All of those musicians can thank the trip-hop movement of the 90s for pushing the envelope of sound, and Tricky was at the forefront, whether or not he meant to be. This isn't what I would call a classic underdog story. It may just be a story of being incredibly lucky throughout your life, and Tricky is actually the first to admit that. But luck or not, his ingenuity and artistry cannot be denied. Mm -hmm. Tricky was born Adrian Nicholas Matthews Thaws, on January 27th, 1968. That's such a generic name. But like so many. Yeah, <laughs> but so many names. Right? <laughs> like Adri- I don't know, Adrian's kind of fun. That's a good name. Yeah, I like Adrian. He is the son of Roy Thaws, a Jamaican man, and Maxine Quay, who was Anglo-Guyanese. So her family okay. was mixed Guyanese and English. British, I should say. Mm-hmm. Throughout his childhood... Being of mixed race would play a big part in Tricky becoming who he is today. While I wouldn't be inclined to say either of his parents had a musical influence on him, they both had some artistry in their backgrounds. Roy worked on the Studio 17 sound system with his father. It is one of the best known in England at the time and nicknamed Tarzan the High Priest. Huh. Yep. Okay. Meanwhile, Maxine was a bit of a poet, something Tricky wouldn't discover until he was older. Oh. The reason this information was not common knowledge to him 
was because Maxine had committed suicide when Tricky was just four years old. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. He says the first memory he can recall is seeing her in her coffin. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It wouldn't be a stretch to say this will affect his outlook for the rest of his life and attributes to the dark themes a lot of his music takes on. I would say if one of your earliest memories is seeing your mom in a coffin during her funeral, yeah, that would affect you for the yeah. rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure anyone who does know Tricky's music can hear that and say, that explains a lot. Yeah. A lot. I always thought there was a bit of darkness to him and his music. Oh, yeah. Even though electronica is supposed to be you know something you can dance to um i always associated him with portishead yeah always oh, yeah. because I'm, portishead he... has this melancholy sound mm-hmm. and i feel the same way about tricky's music yeah honestly i guess you could say like the big three is tricky massive attack Portis- yep. is it portishead or portishead 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 yes yes i'm really bad with pronunciation i love portishead though they're fantastic. I have to say, I haven't heard a ton of Portishead. I've definitely heard more Massive Attack. I've heard far more Portishead than also, Massive Attack. Also, by the way, if you're like, who are Massive Attack and Portishead? You know what? Just look up the song Teardrop. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Yeah. It's that song <laughs> that you're going to hear and you're like... It's that electronic song that everybody knows. Yes. Because once you play it, everyone's like, oh, I do know this song. Mm-hmm. His father, Roy, left the scene not long after that. He didn't get along with along with Maxine's family. It was at the point where her uncle was threatening to kill him when he got out of prison. Wait, the uncle was in prison? The uncle was in prison. And he was and like, he said, when once I get, I get out, out of prison, I'm going to fucking kill you. Pretty much. Jesus. Wait, what did Tricky's dad do? So I think he was just one of those dads that was kind of lofty. I don't think he was a bad person. And he got along with them pretty okay. But after Maxine died, a lot of them blamed him for her death. Okay. Sounds like a true crime series starting up. Well, they were like, oh, you know, he didn't care enough. But he actually found her. So that's not great. And then also in Tricky's book, he does talk about reasons why his mother might have killed herself. Because Mm -hmm. she was a very bright, happy person. It's always the bright, happy people to do it. But yeah. She apparently was diagnosed with epilepsy. Okay. And it was hard. There was Tricky and he had a younger sister. And he thinks that it was very hard on her to have two kids that she could barely take care of because she had fucking epilepsy. Yeah. So I think it was a matter of get kind of spiraling into this. You're better off without me kind of thing. Yeah. And you're going to discover as I go throughout the story, mental illness does run through Tricky's DNA. Gotcha. Like his family tree, for sure. Mm-hmm. After his mother's death, Tricky went to live with his grandmother. He has a large family, and many of them engage in some sort of criminal behavior. Oh. <laughs> okay. From theft to actual murder, his oh. uncles had... <laughs> actual murder. Actual murder. <laughs> Not sort of murder. Not actual kind of murder. murder. Like, I stabbed a man and killed him. <laughs> actual murder. <laughs> I've been uh, meaning to talk to you about that. About your actual murder. You, uh, might want to get out of here. Find you a might want to lay low for a while. Lay low for a while. <laughs> I killed a man with a trident. This guy on fire and horses. And I killed a guy with a trident. I need to talk to you about your actual murder. His uncles have especially run the gamut of crime. 
in most of the stories in the book that he tells are his uncles oh, committing crazy fucking crime. uncles, man. Crazy uncles. Fucking crazy uncles. He's got a lot of uncles. A lot of uncles, a lot of great <laughs> uncles, and they are all just committing crimes. Uh, <laughs> uncles in crime. I want them to make a movie called Uncles on the Run. <laughs> uncles on the Run. Oh my God. Get out of here, wings. <laughs> Stupid mullets. Get out of here. Or are you fantastic mullets? Tricky is from an area of Bristol called Knoll West, a town with a large population of lower income, working class families, that kind of scene. Crime was a way of life for most living there, and it was almost inevitable that one should expect to spend some time in prison if you grew up in Knoll West. Now, Tricky isn't an aggressive type of person, so the likelihood of him getting into violence was pretty low, but he was still a product of his environment. When he was a teenager, he was getting into trouble with the police for truancy and loitering late at night. Just kind of petty little things. What is truancy? Not going to school. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something so much worse. It's like, not going to school. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's skipping school. If like a police officer sees you at 1030 in the morning on a Thursday when there's clearly school, he's like, hey, so um... What the fuck are you doing hey, here? Hey, I thought I told you. Whatever. Because <laughs> this is my United Kingdom of whatever. It is his United Kingdom of whatever. He was Liam Lynch in the shit out of <laughs> Noel West. He was. Well, then it progressed into breaking and entering. He started to go from like these petty little things to maybe a little bit harder. Yeah. He ran with a crowd that would be on the lookout for any homes where no one was there. And then they would rob the place. But like occupied Places. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, if somebody went on vacation, they would notice all the lights are off and it's six o'clock at night and they're like, nobody's home right now. Cool. We should steal from them. All right. Let's do that. I think that's how you steal. I don't know. So he wasn't murdering people. He was just He wasn't doing actual murder. He, he was, was just not doing, doing actual murder. He was doing actual robbing, not actual okay. murder. But what landed him behind bars was some small scale money loitering or money laundering. Oh, so he was a loan shark too. No, not even a loan shark. He and his friends would forge 50 quid notes oh, and then use them at convenience stores so they could get the change. Oh. Yeah, that's... This, this was before they had those color-changing pens. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. This is like the 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Tricky wasn't 100% sure exactly what went down, but it seems to him that his friend got caught and snitched on him as well. Oh. Thanks, friendo. Snitches get stitches. Yeah, they do. Except Tricky wouldn't do that. <laughs> This landed him two months in the youth wing of the prison. And seeing how he was only 17 at the time, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Even though it sounds like a pretty short sentence, it was enough to get Tricky scared straight, ensuring he would not involve himself in the criminal life again. Good. Yeah. Like, one of the few people that scared straight worked for. (laughs) So where was this misfit kid to turn to for self-expression and an outlet from day-to-day life? Where to go? Music, of course. Oh. Yep. That's how you go. Kids, just do music. Yeah. Do the music. Don't do, don't forge 50 quid notes. <laughs> you're going to get caught so quick. Or actual murder. Just play music. Murder people with your sweet sounds on your guitar. Because that's not actual murder. That's just music murder. <laughs> Growing up, Tricky listened to a lot of reggae and Billie Holiday and Marvin Gaye and all that like when he would visit his dad. Then he was in his mid-teens, and he slowly gravitated to Prince Buster, as well as boy bands like the Foreskins. That's a great name yeah. for a band. Yeah. you can. You, some of you might see where I'm going with this, where his musical tastes were gravitating to. 
Because we all have that band, right? The band we discover and it changes everything. It gets us deep in our core. And we carry that with us for the rest of our lives. Oh, I'm so I'm so intrigued. And for Tricky. But who is it? That band oh. was the specials. Oh, okay. Oh, I figured you would make some kind of ska comment. Ska I mean, I don't know enough about the specials to make fun of them, but like, ska. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but ska. Ska. I, I will <laughs> no, right. stand by ska. <laughs> You'll skank by Scott. I will always skank by Scott. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about the specials is that they were one of the first bands that he was exposed to where he saw people of color and whites playing together. That is one thing I do have to commend Scott for because They, they really transcended the racial barrier when it came to inclusion yeah they don't give a fuck yeah it's like if you can play a fucking instrument then yeah you're gonna be in this band yeah like i don't even give a shit what you play you know what you don't even have to play if you can just skank on stage and hype us you're up in the band. you're in the band they Seriously. have their own hype men that's like god see i, I mean defend scott to like die all that hype is lost on me but <laughs> pick more. it up pick it up pick it up pick it up <laughs> again two weeks in a row we're picking up a ska <laughs> But you can pick up change in a mosh pit, too. <laughs> no, you can't. Now all the mosh pit's going on. You're taking your life into your hands if you see a quarter. You dropped all them quarters in your pocket. Just Sorry, say goodbye. Some- say goodbye. Somebody else got that shit. But if you drop all those coins in a ska pit, they're going to pick them up for you and be like, oh, you dropped all these. You dropped all your change. Of course ska is the perfect music for me. <laughs> oh, excuse me. You dropped your stuff. <sighs> Been some of the nicest ska pits of my life. But, I mean... There's no pits in Ska. There is 100% a Ska pit. Everybody just skanks around in a circle, and it's wonderful. That's hilarious. It's wonderful. so sweet. It is sweet. I like it. (laughs) But, like, yeah, like we're saying, this whole breaking down of any racial barriers, it really spoke to Tricky, because that's very much what his life is. Noel West is predominantly white, right? Oh, it is? It is. Okay. Yes. Um, it's still lower class, but it's yeah. predominantly white lower class. But then he would visit his father in St. Paul's, and it was predominantly black lower class. Either way, y'all are poor. Okay. What feel city that. was this close to? Bristol. Okay. This is all in England. And don't forget, his family is mixed as well. So there was this element of never really knowing where he belonged. He would be stopped by the police for being black, but then called out by his black friends for acting too white. And okay. so he just never knew... It's like my lifelong white? identity crisis. Yeah, and here's the thing: shouldn't fucking matter. Yeah, he's a fucking person. Yeah, <laughs> guys. Moral of the story: race doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, you're a fucking person. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> so, needless to say, seeing these guys come together on stage spoke to Tricky on a whole new level. But not just that; what they were singing about, getting chased on the streets, staying out late at clubs, were exactly the types of activities that he was getting up to at the time. As he listened more and more, Tricky began to feel that this was something he could do too. Not Ska in particular, but have some sort of involvement in creating music. These guys were self-taught and just living their passion, so why couldn't he? Yeah. So going to shows became life for Tricky. He and a friend began squatting in different locations, selling weed to make enough cash for a train or a bus to get to the next place and check out another group. These carefree halcyon days of his late teenage years would be formative to creating the musician we now know as Tricky. While squatting with some friends who were members of a low-key sound system, they told him to do some raps off the cuff. He was skeptical at first, but after a few verses, many saw a talent that was clearly lying dormant in him. Huh. 
it's so weird to me that people can just find this talent one day. It's like, oh, I'm just going to try rapping. Right. Well, and they're it, really good at it. Yeah. Like, what's that like? I like, I have nothing like that. <laughs> I don't know. You probably have something. And just no one said, Ashley, do this thing. And you're like, you do it. And then you're like, oh, shit. I don't have enough fantastically great talents that will allow me to use that as my career. Yeah. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Also, I don't think many people can do that as a career. Yeah. I you, wish I could. Again. But this is the whole point of the story with Tricky is it's just luck. Yeah. He's it's a lucky piece luck. of shit. He just ran with these people who were trying shit out and he was sitting there and they said, hey, sing along to this. And he did. And it worked. A chance for exposure came with childhood friend Miles Johnson, a.k.a. DJ Milo of the sound system group The Wild Bunch. They had Tricky come rap with them at live shows and this is where he developed his very distinct Sprexang style. Sprexang? Sprexang. Oh, like Sprex... Sprechsang. Like, you know, I'm not Like German. the German? Yeah, but it's speak singing. Yeah, Sprecht means to speak. Yeah, Sprech, Sprechsang. Speak sing. Yeah. This was not sort some sort of conscious choice either. And this is where I get into our beer. Tricky's softly sing-spoken voice is a direct result of how very shy he is. When performing, he usually closes his eyes and projects just enough to be heard. It, but this would be something that we will still see being used by artists today. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Like, a lot of indie pop is very softly sing-spoken. Yeah. So. And yeah. now it's the new thing. The the ASMR thing is yeah. to, like, be really close to a mic, but be really sing soft. really low and soft. And really calmly. Yeah. Yeah. And even, I guess, again, better or worse, quote-unquote mumble rap is <sighs> very much like that. That's just a dumb affectation. Though. Well, I that's think... not because they're all just really shy. No. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> just for Tricky, it's shy. For Tricky, it's like legit. It's an actual thing. Like, I'm quite shy. I don't know how to sing much louder than this. That's my British voice. That was very good. You, was it? You've been working on it. I have you? been. I have been working. I just sit in the mirror and I'm like, I'm British now. He not only adopted his style, but also his name around this time, too. At one point, while rapping with the group The Fresh Four, a DJ called him Tricky Kid, and it stuck, eventually morphing into Tricky. A big thing with Tricky is he's a bit of a loner. Uh huh. He kind of comes and goes in and out. He's very wafting into groups. Aloof. He's aloof-ish in the sense that he's just not always around. You know, he'll mm-hmm. do something with a group and then he'll just go off and do his own thing or go to a new squat or go check out a band. So people will be like, what's that tricky kid getting up to? Is tricky like a slang word for not always there or whatever? I think it's Elusive. just like, I think it's more of a slang for just like, you know, he's always getting into something. Not even necessarily trouble, but like he's that kid that just shows up. Gotcha. You know, we all have that person who just like, you'll be out and then like just that person shows up and they're in your group for the night, but then you won't see them again for months. Yeah. And that's exactly who Tricky is. All right. He'll show up for a night and you'll have a great time and then you just won't see him again. Cool. But that's just who he is. Yeah. Tricky was never considered to be a member of the Wild Bunch, more of a collaborator. And that's due in part to his age, making him just not really notice or care where he could go with them. He's still like 1920. Everyone mm-hmm. else is more in their 20s. Mm-hmm. He's still kind of a kid. This crea- They created a few singles, but Tricky never joined them in the studio. 
he was still being a bit of a drifter, like I mentioned before, just going from squat to squat. So mm-hmm. that was another reason why he just never joined up with the group, because he was always kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. By the late 80s, the Wild Bunch had dissolved when three of the members, Robert 3D Del Naja, Grant Daddy G. Marshall, and Andrew Mushroom Vowels, formed a new group called Massive Attack. Oh. Mm-hmm. So Massive Attack are an offshoot of the Wild Bunch. Okay. But also Mushroom Vowels? Um, His last name's Vowels. Vowels? Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Okay, so like... <laughs> So the members of Massive Attack are 3D, Daddy G, and Mushroom, or maybe just Shroom, okay. I forgot. Or Mush. Mush is his, like, but it started off as Mushroom, and now he's just Okay. Mush. Because I thought his- Mushroom Vowels. I thought it was Mushroom Vowels was his name. I'm like, there is a story behind that, and we do not have enough time for it. No, there's actually no story behind it, unfortunately. Someday, maybe we'll do the Massive Attack story. Because I, I think they have some interesting- they seem interesting. Yeah. Maybe or maybe not for the right reasons. And I'm they've been sure. around for a long fucking time. I mean, as we see, the early 80s, they were yes. in the Wild Bunch. Probably a year or so later, 3D and Tricky ran into each other at a pub, and from there, a real friendship blossomed. Tricky- Aww. Yeah, they're friends. Tricky was asked to come on board to work with Massive Attack. At the time, he still wasn't seeing music as anything more than, more than like, a hobby. So they worked it out to where he would get paid out for being a musician with the group, not an actual member. Okay. So he was still working with them, doing a lot with them, but he wasn't a full-fledged member. He wouldn't be listed as a member of Massive Attack. Right. But he was credited to helping them with some songs. Okay. And here's a little fun side note. Mm-hmm. So their manager is Cameron McVeigh, and he is the husband to Nena Cherry. Oh. Yep. And she significantly helped to back their albums they gave she gave them money she guessed it on a few of their tracks well this is probably around the same time that buffalo stance blew up it is yeah yes so nena cherry had a big hand in all this well no shit mm-hmm. good for her right good for no, good for them yeah to good get for nena everybody cherry. good for everybody involved in this situation yeah honestly y'all are lucky <laughs> tricky would contribute to three tracks on their debut lp blue lines most notably was Daydreaming, the first single off the record. While it only hit number 81 in the UK charts, it was still enough to help get them some real notoriety. Hmm. Uh, just to give you guys an idea of their sound, I'll play a little sample. Because it demands for attitude is cool, breeze below zero, up against the wall, behavior like De Niro, trick is performing, taking his photo, making a stand with a tan, touch it like Coco, smooth to keep you moving at the back now. Free as the needle is moving through the trap now. Dance to the drummer's beats with eight new sticks. Bounce around the vibes like acoustics. No drugs or pharmaceuticals. For the body ain't suitable. Stick with liquid. Me a trick with. Draw on paper which I use my tongue to lick with. Trouble and strife ain't no sunshine in my life. Wise guys get protection when they can. I like that you can still hear his English accent. Oh, yeah. But it, it, you hear his type of sing-songing mm-hmm. or sing-speaking mm-hmm. where it's just like he's kind of singing he's definitely rapping but he's doing like it's melodic and yet not melodic it's yeah he really it's melodic yet monotone yeah in a weird way yeah yeah and but at the time that this came out it was really the first of its kind or at the beginning of just mm-hmm. this whole forefront of the style so yeah i mean arguably with a track like this he helped massive attack get their name on the map. Mm-hmm. The business side of music was absolutely no interest to Tricky. 
talking with studio execs, interviews, even making music videos, it was just so tedious to him. I'm sure. He didn't give a shit. He just he, wanted to make music he and just smoke seems some spliffs. Like, yeah, he just seems like the kind of guy that only cares about the music. His blinders are on 100%. It's just the music. Everything else can fuck right off. Yeah. Yeah. That's how he always feels about that stuff. He yeah. just wants the creation process. He doesn't care about business. And I commend him for that. But at the same time, if you want to have any sort of successful music career, you kind of have to do that. Yeah. You got to play the game. And yeah. He does not like playing the game. It's good I, for him. And I can see him playing it to a certain extent, but also kind of making it very well known that you just are going to say fuck off to everybody. Oh, yeah. That's no, he also, does. That's also playing the game, too. Yeah. Because you're still giving people something to write about. Yeah. He's not rude about it. Yeah. He's actually just very matter of fact. Yeah. But I'll, 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 get, to, I'll get to all that stuff. So, yeah, he's still just, like, hanging out with friends and family, going to check out sound system groups and reggae shows, smoke some spliffs. And in the end, it's kind of a good thing that he did all that because that's how he met... Martina Topley Bird. As he was leaving his cousin's place, he heard a girl singing to herself, and he was so caught up in it, he actually stopped her and started to talk with her. Hmm. He finally got around to asking if she sang, and when she said she did, he insisted on bringing her back to the studio. That's a little bit creepy. <laughs> well, I guess maybe not for the 80s and early 90s. I mean, it was so creepy, just not as blatantly creepy. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe he's he's he seems a bit of a small man. So like, you're like, I could take him. It could go either way. Like, if he wasn't genuine about it, it could right. definitely go into that. Have you ever modeled kind of way? Oh, you're right. You know what you're I mean? Right, though. Did ever did anyone ever tell you you could be a model? Yeah. Here's my card. You should come up to my. I mean, at least she was singing, so that's something. <laughs> it's only somewhat creepy. Together, they worked on a few tracks. But the main takeaway from the session was the track Aftermath. Feeling like he had something really great, he brought the track to Massive Attack for their next album. However, they had no real interest in it, telling him to focus more on writing for the group. It wasn't long after this that Tricky decided to leave Massive Attack. I th Yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly what you don't say to Tricky. Yeah. He was like, mm, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. So it was a group that he didn't really feel that he was had a part in, and I mean, arguably he didn't. Right. And perhaps it was time for him to just try his own approach. Yeah. And and this book gets into so much more detail that I can't get into here. It, there are little snippets and stories of just his interactions with Massive Attack that gave him the feeling of being an outsider in this group. And just right. influenced him more and more into saying, I like working with these guys, I like making music, but... But I it's time to go before it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He took the single, cut directly from the tape, and pressed it to a few hundred vinyl copies. It was such a success that he garnered the attention of Chris Blackwell of Island Records, and he wanted to sign Tricky immediately. Huh. So here we go, and we have another story of somebody who's like, I'm just going to do this myself, and he just and ends I up think being really successful with it. It's also pretty interesting that he just he just had this one song yeah, and released it, and this was the 80s? Yeah. So he released just Actually, one song. Actually, at this point, it's the early 90s. I apologize. So he released just one song in the early 90s, before yep. the internet, before Napster, before any of that shit, mm -hmm. before file sharing, before YouTube. Bandcamp, SoundCloud. Just this one song. Yeah somehow made it to a guy at a major record label. Yep. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to sign this guy based on this one song. Yep. 
That's he crazy. Was, he was that impressed with him. That's crazy. I mean, maybe he did his homework and found out he worked with Massive Attack as well, but still. Also, that's probably some first-class marketing or just some real dumb luck. I think, and I again, I think Tricky is the first to admit this, his life is a lot of dumb luck. Yeah. As far as music goes. Yeah. Other than music, I wouldn't say he had dumb luck. <laughs> I'd say he had dumb bad luck. Yeah. Well, you got to balance it out. You got to balance that shit out. But yeah, so, you know, he's going to get signed to a record deal. But is he going to be successful on his own? Oh. Well, we'll find out after the commercial break. Oh. We'll be right back. Okay. And we're back. Hi. Now that we've diagnosed some weird noises in your house. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Yeah. It's it's cold. It's winter season. Little okay. critters are everywhere. I got a lot of freeloaders, guys. <laughs> My life is a little chaotic. Just like stealing your Wi-Fi. And... Oh, those fuckers. Better not. I have password protected. <laughs> Going into your fridge, stealing your Diet Cokes. I don't have Diet Cokes. They're stealing my Jenny Cream Ales. <laughs> Motherfuckers. You got drunk skunks in your basement. Oh, Oh, that's so cute. That is cute. Guys, we're weird. <laughs> Anyway, nothing to do with the story at hand. A menagerie in here. Let us return. So now Tricky has gone from aloof kid to self-produced solo artist. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's been a couple years since he's worked with Martina, but he knew she needed to come back and work with him on the full album. The sound of her sweet and sultry voice complemented his soft raps perfectly. Soft raps. Soft raps. That's what I was calling them. Soft raps. Soft raps. The process for creating his debut LP came easily to Tricky once he realized all he had to do was create. He spent hours with producer Mark Saunders working through vinyls to put together all of his samples. Mm -hmm. And seeing as how he had no previous musical background, Tricky was met with a lot of pushback when he was making his music. Mark was trying to clean up some of the tracks, changing the notes, and he would tell Tricky, these don't work together musically. A lot of people would give him pushback to be like, this isn't how music theory works. <laughs> and Tricky would say, I don't give a shit. This is how I hear it. We're yeah. going to do it this way. They would butt heads for a bit, and Tricky would eventually get his way. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the artist. He is. So. And he said, this is how I hear it. This is how we're doing it. Yeah. And I only put this in here because I want us to start using this phrase. But in the book, Mark Saunders gets referred to as, quote, a proper donut. A proper donut? Yeah, he's a proper donut. <laughs> that is the nicest way of insulting somebody I have ever heard. Right? I want us to start using, he's a proper donut. Proper and donut are not insulting words. But together, it's but like, together, you know he like, means it in like a, this guy's crazy. He's a proper donut. That is a... That is for sure a pearl clutching kind of insult. Like, yes, and I love it. Oh. And I'm here for it. He's a bitch. Be a proper donut. <laughs> so we have that's all sausage to me. Proper donut. Yes, and playing the insulted sausage. Yep. I like that all of these have something to do with food. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Definitely. They have to. Food's great. But, I mean, even so, Tricky does thank him for all the hard work he put into the album, because without it, it wouldn't be the album it ended up being. Yeah. He had some other influence as well, like Public Enemy and even Smashing Pumpkins. Oh. Both are sampled in tracks on this album. Martina was really big into the alt-grunge scene, so that's her introduction for Tricky 
to bands like Pearl Jam and Jane's it's, Addiction and Soundgarden. It's the time. But you definitely hear a lot of the public enemy influence yeah. in his cover of a public enemy song called Black Steel. Okay. I wasn't with her for just that very minute it occurred to me that suckers had authority. Cold sweating as I dwell in myself. How long has it been? They got me sitting in a state pen. I gotta get up but that thought was thought before. I contemplated a plan on the cell floor. I'm not a fugitive on the run. But a brother like me began to be another one. Public enemy serving time. They do the law I know. They criticize you for something. So did he call it Black Seal because it sounds like he used steel drums in it? No, it's actually a cover of a... Oh. Yeah, it's a cover of uh, Public Enemy's Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. Okay. And it's actually a very interesting track because it's all about, you know, the recruitment during the Vietnam War. Oh. Getting a letter saying you gotta go, gotta go fight now, the draft, all that shit. Maybe he made the conscious choice of using steel drums because it definitely sounds like steel drums yeah, to me. It definitely has that... It's a very 90s feel, and not in a bad way. Ooh, it really feels 90s. It brings me back to the mid-90s, 100%. Yeah. Martina's vocals were done almost completely in one take. She claimed it was all totally instinctive. Tricky's lyrics really stepped up here, hitting dark yet meaningful themes of death and paranoia, the male dread of intimacy, drug abuse, and cultural decline. Wow, that's so again, a lot to shove into one song. Wait, well, the whole album. The, oh, okay. The entire album, it's just, he really hits on a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. The final product came out in 1995. It was named Maxine Quay, but it's all one word, Maxine Quay. Okay. Is after his late mother. Tricky attributes her death and influence on him as to why he writes in a more feminine style and why his lyrics tend towards more darkly realistic, yet sometimes hold on to a little glimmer of hope Mm -hmm. but usually it's pretty sad and dark and glim yeah yeah grim not glim (laughs) the thing that threw off many was the album's booklet which featured tricky and martina dressed in old-fashioned wedding outfits but gender bent tricky wore the wedding dress Mm -hmm. and martina wore the suit and tricky had been known to wear women's dresses on occasion but it's not from any desire to Mm cross-dress it's actually pretty interesting it started in his teens as a way to get attention and push the envelope, so to speak. Right. Which is why a lot of people, a lot of dudes in their teens wear ladies' dresses. They're if like, they're oh. not transgender or they're not cross-dressing or whatever, they want to just, you know, yeah. get her eyes. Which, I don't know. I don't hate that. Yeah. At least, like, you're comfortable enough in your own fucking skin to say, yeah, I'll wear a dress. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, it's more like... Why does this make you feel uncomfortable? Because clearly I'm not uncomfortable. Right. You shouldn't be uncomfortable by this, but you are. So why? So, I don't know. I think that's something to applaud. That's fine. But he also said that it was a way to go against the macho man culture that's pushed onto the male gender. He thinks all men should have to wear a dress at least once in their lives so they can begin to break down that unhealthy concept of, you know, macho man, I'm a big tough guy. Yeah. He feels, he did state in either an interview or in the book, I don't remember which, about he feels that there's a sense of ignorance that comes along with that as well, you know, of, oh, I need to be this big tough guy, but you're you're really closing yourself off to other ideas by doing that. Yeah. And so... And also, dresses weren't really invented specifically for women, because historically men wore dresses or skirts or whatever, too. They even wore them into fucking battle. Yep. So... 
Fuck off, guys. Yeah, it's okay, guys. You can wear, you can wear a dress. I kind of 100% agree with the every man should have to wear honestly, a dress for a day. It's kind of hot. Hey, yeah. Like, honestly? Yo, kilts? Yeah. Yeah. Vikings? Yup. Yeah. Yeah. Romans? Yeah. Yeah. Guys, like, it's, it's okay. Fine. Like, I think nothing is sexier than a man who's like, I'll put on a dress and some makeup. I don't give a shit. Because also, you guys. Oh. Some nice, strong tree trunk thighs mm. peeking out from under Yo, his skirt. Take a look at them gams. Do a twirl for me. But I mean, there's Thanks. nothing sexier to me than a guy who is not afraid of gender bending and doesn't take himself so seriously. Yeah. He's like, I can't wear a dress. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Have some fun. Who cares? <laughs> I like dressing like a man sometimes. So why don't I enjoy dressing like a woman? It's fun. Right. Yeah, so I agree with his statement on this. I think everyone should just have to spend a day in the other gender's shoes. Yeah. Or even just, like, fuck it, break down those fucking walls and who gives a shit what you're wearing. But back to the album itself. Mm -hmm. Maxine Quay went on to become one of the most influential albums of our generation. Every music publication hails it as a masterpiece, with lyrics and sound woven together to near perfection. It has been put alongside Massive Attack's Blue Lines and Portishead's Dummy as game changers in the electronica world and OGs of trip-hop. And, yeah, again, I said, like, the main three right there. Yeah, this is kind of, like, a, a solid foundation for what was to come with electronic and trip-hop and everything. Exactly. It really changed music. Yeah. Maxine Quay wasn't the only product of collaboration between Tricky and Martina, while working together on their debut, they began a romantic relationship that resulted in a pregnancy. Pregnant Did she have starch masks? She had so many starch masks. <laughs> <laughs> One month after the album's release, their daughter Mina Maisie was born. The couple didn't last long, though. Uh. But they would still co-parent like champs, even if it did result in a lot of arguments on the road. E. But they had Mina and brought her along with them and they tried yeah i mean they really did they made a they, they gave, gave it the good old college try yeah they tried to give her as fun a childhood as they could and with a successful album comes the fame the fame that tricky categorically was uncomfortable with yeah yes he was interested in making new sounds and turning hip-hop on its head but being flashy rich just wasn't something he was going after yeah in an ideal world for tricky he would just make music, release it, get some money to survive, and keep making music. But because of his rising popularity, he found less and less time for actually making music. And I assume he was a lot more popular, a lot more um, in the public eye in the UK and Europe. And Very yeah, much so. I guess around this time he was getting a little bit of exposure in the US, but a not... Touch. not not as much as Fat Boy Slim or fucking Moby. Fucking Moby. Moby. Um, I at least appreciate Fat Boy Slim. Yeah. It's fine. We can have that conversation some other time. But fucking I, They are a step Moby. above Moby because uh, fuck Moby. Fuck Moby. Um, but yeah, I'd, I guess for some people, even for people who know Tricky, it would be a little bit difficult to understand. Like, but wait what fame <laughs> like who was right who was trying to like tail him and stalk him and like be 
in his face all the time trying yeah. to get you know a good story it was but, definitely very uk based yeah you know, he has plenty of stories about being on billboards over there and people seeing him and then seeing the billboard right next to him and being like oh wow you're famous yeah D- i guess you should in in terms of fame you should parallel him to moby you know what i mean but better just in terms of fame, <laughs> fame. <laughs> just in not in terms of music, not nope. in terms of credibility, nope. just in terms of fame. Like, imagine he's getting the same amount of fame in the UK and Europe that Moby is in America. Right. That's fair. That's right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Definitely. I'm just drawing parallels. I know. Yeah. Not com- you're right. You're- parallels, not comparisons. You bring up a good point. I feel like a lot of US listeners are thinking, tricky. I don't really think he got but, that like, big yeah. here. But, but he, he does really, still have an influence over here. Yeah, he does. Even if you don't see it, even if it's not in your face. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'll get into it, but there he definitely had an influence on certain artists and yeah. certain movies and all the shit. He was asked about touring. He was vehemently against it. When he toured with Massive Attack, he hated it. He found going on stage with a couple turntables to just be a really hollow experience. Also not very conducive to Somebody who's making music like he is. Exactly. I don't think... He's a very genuine artist and feels like any sort of shortcut is misleading. Yeah. And it's also much more difficult, I think, for a DJ to tour than it is for a rock band to tour. Yeah. It's not organic. Yeah, it's not... It's not something you can just go and do half the time they're just like pressing buttons on a computer and just queuing up a track that already exists right and i i assume that most of their shows are one-offs they're not it's not they're not touring they're just doing guest spots you're doing clubs you're not doing a concert right that's what i mean well his manager suggested why not try it with a band and even though tricky was initially thinking the idea was a little crazy he gave it a shot, and he actually ended up loving it. That's interesting. Right? This made him one of the first electronic acts to go out there with a live band. And in keeping up with his simplistic nature, he specifically did not want anyone who looked cool. Instead, he wanted, quote, old chubby dudes. <laughs> so his funny. band was just these old chubby dudes. That's hilarious. Yep, he didn't want anyone who looked cool or hipsters or anything. He just wanted... Guys have been in the biz for a while and didn't want any He attention. didn't want anybody wearing Jankos on his stage. Oh, my God. He's like, dad jeans and flannel, please. Yeah. No puka shells, no Jankos, no uh, crazy spiky hair. Nope. None of that. I just want nice, friendly no, dad. No t-shirts that say, can't sleep, can't, clowns will eat me. <laughs> Nothing like that. No Hot Topic over here. Nah. He don't want it. Like, nine out of every ten stories we cover, success in the music biz also meant an uptake in alcohol and drugs. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Turns out life on the road's hard. Hey, we're still going strong with no heroin. Are we Are we still going to keep that going? Tricky was already a bit of a stoner. Okay. Now he was drinking more and taking pills and doing cocaine to get past the exhaustion. Okay, so we're at Coke. But good news, no, no heroin. No whammies. No whammies. <laughs> Yay. Yay. In addition to not being a big fan of the fame, he hated the popularity his music garnered. And this is where I'll get into some of the U.S. stuff. Mm-hmm. It went from being this strange, different sound to becoming mainstream. He heard other artists copying his sound. He heard ads for movies with soundtracks that sounded like his music. Yep. He talks about going to see a Quentin Tarantino. He went to see... um. Pulp Fiction. Okay. And the ads before Pulp Fiction were using music that sounded insanely similar to his. 
in the trailers. And he was so annoyed with it. Sounds about right. This he was... was pissed because he's not gaining that success in the U.S., but but the artists, chemical brothers sure are the chemical well it's yeah but like even like american artists american filmmakers they're getting that popularity that's what i mean based like, off of his fucking music chemical brothers was pretty huge in the u.s at that time I so like it was the chemical brothers <laughs> i like the chem- honestly oh i respect the chemical brothers a lot more than i respect other Moby. famous other than <laughs> fucking moby guys moby is legit bottom of the barrel He's the just fucking like, worst guy. As a person, he's awful. Oh, and was, I I could do a hate episode on Moby. I would love to do a hate episode on Moby. Let's do that. We Let's might just put do that a bonus calendar. Hate, <laughs> bonus hate episode. Like, if you like Moby, don't listen to our Moby episode. It can be called the Get the Hate Out series. Oh, my God. And just, like, fucking rail against these pieces of shit. Musicians. Allow me to give you all my hate on Moby. Yeah. Anyway, this played a big part in the creation of his sophomore release, though. All of this frustration. Mm-hmm. He felt that if he came out with songs like those on Maxine Quay, it wouldn't be different anymore and he would be stuck. Tricky was also in a rare position of power with his record label. Mm. Even though he had released Maxine Quay through Island Records, he didn't have a proper contract. How did that happen? But Mark was a proper donut. (laughs) Maybe that's why. He's like, you're a proper donut. I'm not signing a contract. Proper contract. No. Proper donuts don't get proper contracts. Nope. So when they went to create one, he told his manager that it needed to state that if for any reason Island doesn't want to release one of his albums, he could take it to any label he wanted. Yeah. And now that he was so successful, they would be foolish to say anything but yes. Kinda. Yeah. All of this contributed to the sound we hear on the 1996 album Nearly God. The title came from an interview he did where he was asked what it felt like to be God. Well, nearly God. Uh, okay. Interviewers. I think it was NME. Jesus. Of course it's NME. <laughs> and this album is definitely experimental. There's less structure, but still has this feeling of a carefully crafted piece of work. It heavily relies on its many guest singers, including an obvious return of Martina. Mm-hmm. But we also see the specials Terry Hall, Nena Cherry, and Bjork as a few standouts. Oh. Mm. And once again, a little romance bloomed in the studio when Tricky began to date Bjork for several months. I can only imagine how that courtship went. Well, in the end, he wasn't in a good place to be in relationship, and even Bjork called him out on that. She would tell him, you're kind of dark, you know, you're not seeming like you're in an emotional state for a relationship, and it's kind of sweet, I guess. In, like, 2013, it was the early 2010s, he was being interviewed and he came out and said, I'm really sorry to Bjork. I was with her and I was not good for her. I was negative. I was mean. I wasn't. And he just left one day. He I ghosted. Mean, he, I think he was living with her and just left. Okay, yeah, that's not good. No. But um, he also admits to fully being and saying, like, she was right. I was not in a good place. I was a bad person. I think she's a lovely person and I hope she's happy and I'm so sorry. First of all, good for Bjork for calling him out on his bullshit. Bjork would call him out on his bullshit, though. But I feel like she would do it in a very sweet way. <laughs> very, Bjork, with a very Bjork's tiny, so cute. A very tiny voice. Tricky. <laughs> Tricky. I feel like there's a lot of aggression. <laughs> I don't know why her. No, it's so cute. It is the cutest little voice. I feel like because she has such a huge singing voice 
that in real life she's just very quiet. Unless there's a reporter in her face, and then she oh, will yeah. go fucking ham Actually, on them. If you look up the Space Ghost episode where Bjork and um, Tom York are on it, Bjork and Tom York, Bjork and Tom York, that is an odd couple TV show waiting to happen. It was <laughs> so good. It is the funniest shit. And Bjork does have a very soft, lovely voice. Yeah, she's very sweet. Yeah, she is. Unless you get a reporter in her face and then she goes ham. Yeah, I can't wait to do a Bjork episode. It's going to be good. It's going to be Episodes. so good. Episodes. Yeah, it's going to be more than one for sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's nice that both of... Yes, she called him out and he understood, yeah, I did wrong. Yeah. That's how humans should work. You should realize the shit you did wrong. And, and then even apologize. if it takes years later, you should fucking apologize. And mean it. And like, that's great. And that's how you do it, guys. And not just mean it, but also grow from it. Oh, Maybe yeah. become a better person from yeah. it. I think he did. I think he 100% did. Yeah. Because Island wouldn't let him release two albums in one year, he called himself the pseudonym Nearly God. So it's actually hard to find this album on Spotify because they're like, he doesn't have this album. It's Nearly God. And but no. It's confusing. <laughs> Yet still, the album was re- received with generally positive reviews. Nothing like his debut, but they were still here for what Tricky was creating. And right, like I said... Two albums in one year. I'm well aware his debut came out in 95. So in two years, nearly in 96, uh-huh. Nearly God came out. So you released and then three albums in two, two years. years. Yes. The other album that he released under his own name was called Pre-Millennium Tension. And while it strayed a bit from the first album's trip-hop sound, it was in the opposite direction of Nearly God. So both of them strayed but in completely different ways Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the experimental atmosphere as its counterpart this is a bit more aggressive and driving and while some viewed it to be a little too dark and claustrophobic critics overall felt as good about the record as they did with nearly god so neither of them really matched the debut but still pretty good pretty good pretty good by the late 90s tricky moved to the u.s the obvious move being of course new york city yeah there he gained opportunities to work with American artists like Puff Daddy. Oh. Yeah. He worked oh, wow. on a, I know. Well, royalty. He, he worked <laughs> Sir King P. Diddy. <laughs> Sir King P. Diddy. the pinky. But he worked with him on a remix of Biggie's Hypnotize, which, yeah. Okay. That checks. He also worked with uh, Wu-Tang's RZA on a few songs. Oh, nice. That is a collaboration I am fucking here for. Exactly. He was still working and releasing new albums and touring around. The thing about Tricky's music is that it really speaks to a lot of people because he writes about life experiences. It can range from everyday things like watching a girl just brush her hair behind her ear to what he saw one time when he was doing peyote. Oh. (laughs) He's like, ah, I'll do this. But he does talk about how he's not singing about how big and how rich and famous he is or his grill or his strippers. He's just like, yeah, I was on the street, saw this girl brush her hair behind her head and it made me think about all these things. And he like goes off. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really universal about his music is that most people can hear it and relate to it. Yeah. I, I honestly can't relate to... um, Going like, to strip clubs? Go, going to strip clubs in your like, you know... Benz or and you whatever. have a lot of money to throw around and a lot of money and this big old mansion that has fountains actually and, and you're I, good I, at rapping i can't relate to that <laughs> you have some kind of talent that you can live off of and makes you money i can't relate i to can't that. relate to that i don't know what that is no 
As he continued along, his lyrics could hit a dark place, likely due to his declining mental health at the time, Oh, with exhaustion and depression crawling in. Also, he started calling out record companies in his songs, accusing them of benefiting from the murders of rappers and suicides of rockers. I mean, he's not wrong. Nope. He's not. No, he's not. The depression- he's just saying some hard truths. <laughs> Hello, my name is Tricky. Welcome to my TED Talk called Hard Truths. I only invited record execs here. <laughs> Thanks, Tricky. The depression was hitting a dangerous low, and he finally went to a doctor to get checked out to see if maybe there was some kind of physical issue. And it actually turned out there was. He was diagnosed with candida, or just call it good old-fashioned yeast infection, oh. except in his stomach. Yikes. Because he couldn't have the yeast infection that you all might have gone to. Yeah, no, you can't. He can't have he that. He is dude. After reading about him talking about candida, I'm like, do I have candida in the stomach? Well, don't cause... we all? Yeah, but there can be an overgrowth of it, and that's really bad. It's so does bad he... for digestion. It's bad for your mental state. Oh, no, there is a difference. Okay, so there is a disease where it's called Brewer's disease or something. Oh, yeah. Where, it... where you have too too much of something too in your yeast, stomach. right? You know, I don't remember, but you have too much of something in your stomach. So if you ingest carbohydrates, your stomach turns ferments it and turns it into alcohol and you get drunk from eating carbs. Yeah, that's not what he had. I kind of want that disease, so I will stop eating carbs. Or you'll eat them when you need to. Only when I need to. Yeah. And then I don't have to drink beer. It'll be great. But beer is delicious. But also beer is fucking delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't let go of that shit. I can't. So what ended up happening? <laughs> sorry. It's all right. <laughs> but it is. Why is that? Why is beer so good? It's not our fault. Nope. I blame the craft booers. The buoys. <laughs> so what ended up happening is Tricky changed his diet entirely. No more sugars or carbs. Yeah. Detoxed himself all the way and noticed a big change in his mood and physically overall. And then I read this and I'm like, maybe I should do this. Yeah. It, I mean... It helps. It probably does. But it's also a diet that's not for everybody. True. True, true. It's hard. That wasn't the only big change in his life. After Chris Blackwell left Island Records, it was sold to Def Jam Records, which is now a part of Hasbro. Oh, okay. We talked about that in one of we our news episodes. We did talk about that. Now I remember. Yep. can get a Tupac action figure. Anyway, this didn't end up being a smooth merger for Tricky. They wanted him to make more marketable to the American hip-hop scene music. Yeah. And, like, that's really not of any interest to Tricky. Yeah, no. Don't tell Tricky what to do. But don't. He couldn't do it. He's not. So he left. He left that, li- that label. And he ended up uh, on a punk label in Europe called Anti Records. In America, he ended up on Hollywood Records. Okay. Which is still owned by Disney, so we could still have a Tricky action figure. <laughs> Marketing. God help us. In 2001, he released his most commercially accessible album, Blowback. It's pretty, uh... Mainstream? I I don't want to say mainstream, but it's definitely... If I was going to tell you to go to an album, I'd probably tell you to go to Blowback. Easily accessible and easily absorbed. Yeah. He started to have Martina on less and less tracks. Not because he didn't want to work with her anymore, but just as a result of trying new things. Now that he was out in L.A. on this mainstream label... He ended up working with some pretty well-known artists like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Cyndi Lauper, Ed Kowalczyk of Live, 
Oh, boy. Oof. And Alanis Morissette. Okay. They actually ended up kind of being friends. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Like, they went to a party together and they just danced around together. They're like, he's cool. She's cool. Yeah. They're yeah, cool. They're cool. Alanis <laughs> Morissette's pretty cool. Right? I feel like they'd be down to hang out with each other. Yeah. Smoke a couple spliffs, laugh about some shit. It's like, it's funny because Alanis Morissette is... If you just if you only know her for her music, you're kind of like, oh, she's probably really boring, and she's just not. like goes home and drinks tea and watches a really boring show. No, she likes to fucking party and like smoke pot and all that shit. Yo, I want to hang out with Alanis Morissette. I would totally hang out with Alanis Morissette, and she can dance, right? Oh, she can dance. <laughs> dance. She wants to. Many of Tricky's diehard fans predictably disliked this album, and look, I'm not gonna take that away from them. There are some gems on this album, like the track Excess, real good, but then there's a cover of Nirvana's Something in the Way, and I'm going to say it's not great. Oh, yeah, you sent that to me, I and did. it was um, not good. Not great. Not I'm, good. I'm just going to tell you to go check it out for yourselves, kids, because, woof. It's for a very specific uh, group of people, and I am not in that group of people. And I just don't think that it works for Something in the Way. It took a song that was infused with a whole lot of meaning and a whole lot of emotion and kind of just made it weird. Yeah. Yeah. And empty. Yeah. A little bit. After his 2003 release of Vulnerable, Tricky would almost absentmindedly take a bit of a break from making records. Instead, he got into the film world for a minute. Oh. It started with being asked to work on soundtracks for Jerry Bruckheimer. What? Yup. He did some songs for the CSI soundtrack and a couple other films. What? Yeah, right? Weird. I would think that would be something he would have like a hard no. He moved in to LA. To. Like I said, like he moved to LA for a bit and just it was kind of like, "All right, I guess this is LA culture, so I should do it." Yeah, I think for a while and he even says like in his book like he just kind of felt it's easy to fall into that LA culture when you're out there. I suppose. Yeah. From there he fell into a few acting roles. Nothing too big, just a few notables like playing right arm in the film The Fifth Element and having a big part in the Tool music video for Parable, Parabola? Parable and Parabola. Sure. I knew if I looked at you, you would correct me (laughs) appropriately. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Tool's a band. They are. Have you heard about the Fibonacci sequence? (laughs) But like, have you... The whole Lateralis album is, like, based on the Fibonacci sequence. The what? Do you know what the Fibonacci sequence is? Oh, why did you tell me about the Fibonacci sequence? fuck off. (laughs) I know that's a meme, but that has literally happened to me. It's her life. On at least a couple of occasions. It's it's Ashley's life, guys. (laughs) Perhaps his brief moments in front of the camera, which he deemed boring bullshit. Uh-huh. He just, again, like, Tricky doesn't like that shit. Yeah. It's really boring to him. Inspired him to do a movie of his own called Brown Punk. It's filmed almost like the show The Office, but it's not a comedy. Like, it's filmed in the in the same vein of, like, a like documentary people, style. And, like, people talking to the camera. Right, right, okay. right. Um, that's He compares it to that, but it's not funny. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a documentary of his own life, but it's kind of blurred lines of the truth. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it's never been released, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. I think you can see some clips on YouTube, but that's it. Yeah. In addition to the film, he also started his own small label called Brown Punk, where he helps produce smaller artists. After moving to Paris in 2008, it was brought to Tricky's attention that he hadn't released an album in five years. 
<laughs> Genuinely, I had no fucking clue. That had to change, and it did with the record Noel West Boy. And it was here that we see him on a track called Council Estate, finally solo and really singing, not doing his usual soft-spoken lyrics. Oh, all right. actually but even his uh his singing is more like barked lyrics right not really singing yeah i mean he doesn't ever sing 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 yeah sing 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 he just but still that's that doesn't even sound like him for a hot second yeah because it's just so not calm and softly spoken yeah he just sounds angry and but i like it it to you no it works it does it it all just came from the fact that like he ended up having to work with less and less of a band and he didn't have anything to hide behind. Yeah. But it was the track School Gates that was a catalyst for a change to come in Tricky's life. After releasing a video for it, an old high school girlfriend heard it and she knew she needed to talk to him. Why? She got a hold of his sister who called him right before a show to tell him what she was told, that he had another daughter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Yup. <laughs> Her name is Marie, and Tricky had always suspected he might be the father. The timing was just a little too perfect. Uh-huh. But he never pursued it, and the mother never told him before. He should have taken her on Maury. <laughs> I did think of that, too. Tricky, you are the father. I told you. <laughs> I told you. And they're like, well, that's great, though. I do like being the dad. But <laughs> he's hey. just calmly like, oh, that's wonderful. I really wanted to be the oh, dad. That's, that's quite nice. That's I'm great. really glad to be her father. I think that would be lovely. Wonderful. All right. Can we, uh, let's go home now. Yes, let's go home. And All right. We'll have a chat and learn about you a little bit more. Be nice. <laughs> probably, that's probably exactly what the reaction would Most be. Most least exciting episode of Maury just to ever nicest, air. The nicest episode of Maury to ever air. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he was like 17 or something when they boned yeah. or they were dating and she got pregnant soon after and like he just kind of deuced. Because and... that was his thing. Yeah, that was just his thing One anyway. and done for one. everything in life. Pretty much. <laughs> Tricky's a one and done kind of <laughs> yeah. guy. Well, I did it. I'm done now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go now. I and I'm gonna head out. <laughs> this is your daughter. Well, shit then. <laughs> I and I'm hit out. <laughs> <laughs> well, once they got the total proof with the DNA test, they began to build a relationship. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, he has a pretty decent relationship with Marie. God damn it. He's a, like a good dude. He's not a bad dude. He, is he a, really isn't. Like He's a really good dude. He Jesus. does like some dumb shit when he was a kid and like was a bit aloof. But he aloof. owned up to it. Exactly. every instance of somebody calling him out or like. He's like, you're right. I was an asshole. That was yeah. my bad. Or like, oh, I have a kid. Okay, I'm going to be a dad now. Cool, cool. I'll do what I can. Shit. In the late aughts, a reunion occurred with Tricky and Massive Attack. Mm. Time healed most wounds and they worked on music again. In 2016, they released the album 
Ritual Spirit, which was the first to see Tricky on it since 1994. Wow. Yup. But in 2012, he had the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to perform with Beyonce on stage at the Glastonbury Festival. Wow. Mm. But let this go to show how very shy Tricky is and how he has never really gotten over it. When he got on stage with one of the most famous pop stars in the world in front of over 200,000 people, Tricky just froze. He missed his verse and finished the song without uttering a word in his mic. Oh, Tricky. I know. He's just a nice dude who's like, I can't be in front of all these fucking people. Afterwards, he would blame technical difficulties to avoid total embarrassment. However, he does say that Beyonce was gracious about the whole thing and actually a really normal person. She didn't ask for a special trailer. She's had the same dressing room that everyone else had and was really nice to him. It's like, don't even fucking worry about it. I don't care. Aww. We had fun. Like she danced on him for a second and he saw Jay-Z and he's like, I'm not going to do anything to your woman. <laughs> don't look at me. Oh, God. <laughs> but also you can't say shit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Honestly. I mean... Tricky may not have gotten an ego over his success, but he probably should have gotten a tax guy. But oh. oh, Jesus, he just gets like He's every really single he trope is... of like every musician thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Every musician story. His aloofness does him no favors. Yeah, not at but all. But then also does him favors. It's weird. Again, like I said, he is very lucky in music, very unlucky in life. Because by 2010, he discovered that he owed over $500,000 in unpaid taxes on both sides of the Atlantic. Honestly, that's not a whole lot, comparatively. You would think. To some people. You would think. He also had a former manager suing him for unpaid wages. Oh. Yeah. So he has a lot going on here. And you would think, like most famous musicians, this should be nothing, right? Well, no, this was no easy fix of, okay, let's just work hard and pay this off. He had moved around so much and been on so many labels that it was hard to tell exactly how he was going to fix each issue Mm because it's hard to tell like where they started, where they ended. Yeah. He also didn't notice how he spent money. He never learned to drive, so he had a lot of car services. He did drugs. He would just go out and spend money. And yes, he is successful, but he is not that successful. Yeah. So, and again... Didn't realize that he didn't have his, he like owed taxes. He's not good with money. Clearly. He didn't have any. And neither were any of the people that he hired to manage his money. I don't know who was managing his money. If anybody was at all. Exactly. Just when he was about to give up on everything and move back in with his family in Bristol. Oh my God. He was this close to doing it. He just turned into a millennial. (laughs) Clock struck 12. The carriage turned into a pumpkin and he became a millennial. Oh, is this what we do? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to move back. I don't need this fame. That's fine. A German record manager named Horst Weidenmüller from K7 Records. It's an exclamation point in front of K7. K! K7 Records. Records. He approached him to work on a new album and to help him with his finances. And it was no easy trick. Tricky was still making music and putting out albums and even started another label called False Idols. He released an album of the same name around that time. Okay. It's solid. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to listen to a Tricky album that I really like, False Idols is great. Mm -hmm. But even with releases and tours, he was not seeing an end to his debt. So they decided to take away a majority of his live band. Like I said, he was slowly and slowly taking away little pieces of his set so to speak 
This resulted in some experimentation with an album called Skilled Mechanics. Pretty stripped down effort, and it was produced a bit hurriedly. Overall, it's Tricky's least favorite album. Mm -hmm. But overall, this experience helped in every aspect, from learning how to be such good businessman to even a better performer. (laughs) Such good businessman. He's a much better businessman now than he was before. With With a minimal band, there was nothing to hide behind, and so he had no choice but to work on his confidence. It's all been for the better. Tricky's music creation process has changed, becoming more thoughtful and not so rushed. He's been touring successfully and gaining more and more fans and retroactive praise for albums that may not have been recognized for their potential at first. Overall, Tricky never let the fame get the better of him as a person. He just wants to be treated with respect like any other normal human. He understands how hard life can be, and so he can find the beauty in everyday life, which makes his music so relatable. Mm -hmm. Even at 52, I think he still has a lot to offer and will continue to shape music for a long time and deserves to get his due. It's kind of crazy that he's 52. I know. He don't look 52. Boy look good. Mm -hmm. You know what they say. I do know what they say. And it's true. However, like Tricky's book, I am ending this on a very sad note. Oh. So buckle up. Oh. Oh, God. Yeah. What happened? (laughs) So, maybe not everyone realizes this, and I did address this earlier in the episode, but mental illness is genetic. Uh Uh-huh. It can easily run the lines of your family's DNA. In this case, Tricky's mother, Maxine, had it. He himself was certainly showing symptoms, and so was his daughter, Maisie. Just this past May 2019, Maisie tragically took her own life. This understandably and absolutely rocked Tricky and Martina's worlds. As well as many others, Maisie was a budding musician herself. She was a member of the South London Collective called 404. And to read the last chapter of Tricky's book, it is simply a page that he clearly wrote after... Like, I think he finished the book and then this happened, so he added this in right before it was published. The second to last chapter is so sweet and positive, and he just talks about, like, how he's come from so much and how he's been really lucky. And then the last actual chapter is just a page... It's just about how Maisie took her life. He doesn't know how to process it. He's lost people. But this is just the one. Yeah. And it ends on such a bleak and sad note. And it's sad because you do see how much he's gone through and how much he's progressed and celebrated and done so well throughout it. And then he ends on this note. And it, I think a lot of people can relate to that of seeing like this loss in your life and wondering, can you recover from it? Because yeah. we don't know. He's still made a little music, but this is this is the one. Jeez. This is the loss that rip, ripped that him apart. That is heartbreaking. It is to lose your child to suicide. Like, he started his book losing his mother to suicide, and he ends his book losing his daughter to suicide. And it's crazy and sad. And I feel my heart goes out to him and Martina and... All the people in their lives because that that's sucks. just such a... And she was so young. And she yeah. was her own artist making her own path. And I heard a little bit of the 404 Collective. They put out a song that was written by her and called Blind Spot. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest looking it up. It's a very good song. She clearly is ta- was talented and it's a shame on so many levels to lose her. But that's how powerful mental illness is. Mm-hmm. Is that... Somebody who is young and has their entire life ahead of them and is doing creative and important things and they know they're doing creative and important things 
that mental illness is still so powerful that it overtakes everything else. Right. Yeah. That's the tragedy. It is. And we say it every time. If you guys are feeling lost or like you don't matter, you do. And reach out and get help. Because this is what happens in the aftermath is that there are people left behind and it rips their lives apart. Yeah. Losing you is worse than you thinking that you don't need to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a bummer note to leave it on. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope that... I was really hoping this was going to be positive at the end. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's not your fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's, you know, look out for each other. Look out for yourself. You matter. So yeah, I think that's the point I really want to bring home with that is... Whether you think so or not, you do, in fact, matter yeah. to at least one person. And that is worth getting help yeah. for. Definitely get help if you think you need it. There's no shame in that. Yeah. Take a pill if you need to. See a therapist if you need to. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Ain't no shame in any of that. CBD oil. I don't know what you need to do. <laughs> just straight up fucking pot all the time. That's fine. Yeah. Just figure it out. Like, whatever you need to keep yourself here, do it. Yeah. Just not heroin. Oh, yeah. Just, just don't do heroin. Just don't do heroin. I don't think heroin's going to keep you here. It's not. It's fast tracking you straight to not here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> heroin's a fast track to not here. <laughs> But like I was saying, especially because of all this, Uh listen to Tricky's music. It's so good. And you are going to hear so much influence in it, especially Mm. when you listen. If anything, just listen to Maxine Quay. Yeah. It is such a great album. He is so talented. Martina's amazingly talented. And is really the foundation of, you know, everything you listen to now. It really is. pop that you listen to now from fucking dubstep bullshit to skrillex or whoever the fuck he is and like ariana grande or whatever honestly it really is the foundation for all of the modern pop that we listen to now yeah and even the rock dwayne johnson (laughs) yes the rock loves tricky (laughs) you should be listening to tricky because i'm saying it dwayne the rock johnson listens to tricky he probably does honestly if if you want to be like the rock the Rock ain't no scrub. He ain't no scrub at all. Wow. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. We're tying a bow in it here because we hit rock bottom. Ah, get Rah. out. Fuck you. We're done. We're done. We're over this. <laughs> thank you for listening. We love you and appreciate you. If you guys You're want the best. to. You are the best. You guys want to go ahead and. Scoot over to www.rockcatypodcast.com. That's our website. You can leave us comments on the episodes. Toss us an email. That'd be cool, too. Follow the links to all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's the other one. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And listen to us there. That'd be great. Uh, also, if you just want to follow our network, Pantheon Podcast Network, great place to listen to any type of music podcast you want to hear. We got it all covered. And good stuff is happening. Good stuff is happening. We're getting bigger. We're getting better. Go follow it now. Yeah. And if you want to do more for us, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast and you can give us money and we will give you cool things in return. Yeah. Including a bonus episode every month. Yep. Coming out next week. Coming out next week. You got time. It's going to be a good one. It is. They're always good ones. They're always good. We're Um, usually pretty hammered at that point. Yeah. Because we record them after we do the actual episodes. So we're like four beers deep. So. 12 sheets in. Yeah. All of those things. 
Yeah. Um. So yeah, go there and give us stuff, and we'll give you things in return. Yeah. Exchange equal exchange. Yeah. The barter system. It's great. It works. It totally still works, guys. <laughs> and next week we got one more episode to wrap up Black History Month with. Oh it's, yeah. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. And this is an artist you all know. You all know and y'all love. And it's gonna be on fire. Here's your hint, guys. Next it's episode on fire. Gonna be on fire. Yeah. <laughs> it is though. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, I love it. Man, well, all right, kids. So we'll see you next week. But yeah. until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. And party on uh, you crazy kids out there. Because it's tricky. Tricky, tricky, <laughs> tricky. <laughs>